0: Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your minds not on divine things, but on human things. And he called the crowd with the disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers... Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, There are some standing here who will not taste death until they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Got my Bible today, so watch out. It is the season of... Lent. It is that season when we are intentionally reflective about our lives so that we might draw nearer to God. So we, we might more closely follow Jesus in the world. And, you know, a lot of times we'll give something up or, or we'll take something on. But that's only good if it leads you to reflect upon how close you are to God or how well you're living the life that Jesus would have us live. So this season of Lent is always about examining the human condition and taking a look at who we are, and that's exactly what we get in those scriptures today. It's a really lot going on there in this scripture passage. But to understand it, we need to take a step back. And that is right before we get this passage that we just read. You have Jesus asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? And then he says, who do you say that I am? And here's what happens. Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. And then the next thing that happens is Jesus begins to teach the people. Now, Jesus is teaching the people in saying, that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and the scribes be killed, and after three days rise again. Now, he gives them a clear picture about what is going to happen to him. And what does Peter do? Peter misunderstands. You see, I've I've titled this sermon, Perfectly Imperfect, because we human beings know that the scriptures, when I read something from the scripture to you, it is in, in so many ways perfectly God's word unto us, but the problem is, we don't always understand it correctly so often we might misunderstand, just like these disciples, what Jesus is trying to tell us, what God wants us to know. And in this case, what happens? Peter says to Jesus, when he, he says, I'm going to have to die, and I'm, but I'll be resurrected. Peter says, Uh Uh-uh, the Greek is really interesting here because it's like Peter gets right in Jesus' face. and And he calls him out. He says, you're wrong. That's not right. That's not the Messiah. Now, here's the thing. Why is Peter doing that? Because he has been raised by a tradition that has told him that the Messiah is going to be a warrior king. The Messiah is going to be the new David who's going to come, and he's going to, uh, to put back in place the throne of David in Jerusalem. He is expecting this guy to come with his sword and to come with his power and get rid of the Romans, and that's what he's supposed to do. And Jesus is saying, no, they're all going to get rid of me. And not only that, they're going to kill me. And he's like, no, that is wrong. You see, so often the tradition teaches us something and then we hold it to be true even to the point where we're pushing back at Jesus saying, no, you're wrong. I'm right. And what does Jesus do? Well, the first thing he says is get behind me. In other words, he's saying, Peter, I'm the teacher. Peter. I'm the Messiah. You don't tell me. You don't tell me. I tell you. Get behind me. And then what is he calling? Satan. Woo, Arlo. Arlo, I intend to go up. Woo, he called him Satan. Now, is he saying, Peter, you're Satan. And what, in fact, does Jesus mean by Satan? Here's one of the ways we often misunderstand the scriptures. So if you go back to early Judaism, when Jesus is saying this, and you go back to the Jewish faith, most of the time they do not view Satan as some murky figure that's running around the world trying to get us to do bad things. In the Hebrew, it's ha which means the accuser, the one who opposes God. And so what he's saying to Peter is basically, you are the one who's opposing God's will. You're getting in the way. He's not saying you're some evil, murky figure that's running around in the world trying to get us to go the wrong way. In fact, you know, if you think about Job and you say, hey, there's this conversation between Satan and God. But the Jewish understanding would be this is a story. They're not really saying there's a person sitting up there talking to God. They're trying to get us to think about evil and why bad things happen. Or you say, well, what about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness? Well, I hate to to say this, but nobody was with him. So when they talk about Jesus being tempted, it's probably telling us that Jesus himself, the human Jesus, had to wrestle with what God asked of him, that he, in his power, could have chosen kingdoms and wealth And instead, he kept saying, no, I'm here to do God's mission. I'm going to keep my eye on what God asks of me. You see, we think of Satan as this this red figure running around with a pitchfork. And I had to go back and I said, you know, when did Christians start talking about Satan, the devil, as this, like, figure running around in the world? And guess what? Early Christians didn't do that. It didn't happen until the Middle Ages. And then what was really interesting to me was, I'm like, and why in the world does he carry a pitchfork? Have you ever asked, why is he carrying? Is he like poking people into hell? What is he doing with a pitchfork? And when I went back and and studied the question of why we depict uh, Satan, the devil, with a pitchfork, It's probably because Greek mythology had Hades, the god of the underworld, with a a trident, with almost a pitchfork. It's almost like we took other understandings and created this idea of Satan that really isn't there in the scriptures and it isn't what Jesus means. Now, are we misunderstanding or are we right? I don't know, but I do know that Peter misunderstands. And there's always a great chance that what we're being told, even by me, may not be absolutely what God wants us to understand. In other words, you and I, we need to always be growing. We always need to be asking, you know, is this what the Bible is saying? Is this what Jesus is telling us? Because then after he says, get behind me, Satan, what does he say? You're setting your mind, not on divine things, but on human things. You're setting your mind on what people have told you, not what I am telling you. Are you willing to have the humility, Peter, to change your mind and to see what it is I'm trying to teach you? Now you understand why I always push on the scriptures, because I think that all of us a lot of times are, are, are... are perfectly imperfect. We're trying our best, but we're not quite getting it, and we can't just sit back and say, we know. We always have to be asking, Jesus, tell us again and again, show us what we're missing. And then what is the next thing he does? He calls not only the disciples, but he calls the crowd, and this is where he says, if you want to be my followers, then you have to take uh, deny yourselves, take up your cross, and follow me. For those who save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life in the world will save it. When we pick up this passage, and you know, we're always hearing about picking up our cross. Well, first thing we've got to remember is these disciples have no idea that Jesus is going to the cross. I mean, they know he's going to die. But they don't know that the cross is going to become this central symbol for us in the Christian faith of forgiveness. All they know is Jesus is saying, deny yourself, the cross would represent some kind of suffering or pain in the world, and follow him. Deny yourself is a way of saying, deny the I. Don't deny Jesus. When I say deny the I, The fundamental problem Jesus is talking about here is that we, even we as Christians, we get taught certain things, we grow up in certain ways, and which among you uh, live outside of your own head? Anybody? Am Am I missing someone who lives outside of their own head? Or do we all live inside our head and our brain and we see the world from the inside out? And Jesus is saying, you, if you're so busy defending what you know, what you've learned, what you've been taught all along the way, what you're doing is kind of conforming yourself to the world when I may be saying, hey, you need to change your mind. You need to go away and think about this. You need to say, hey, maybe there's something I'm missing here. Maybe I am misunderstanding. Maybe I do need to learn something new. Uh There's a lot of new stuff to learn all the time when it comes to the scriptures, I think. And so to deny ourselves isn't like to walk around like with some sort of switch, you know, hitting ourselves or or to say, uh, I'm going to fast four days out of the week or something like that. That's not really what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, don't put yourself first. Jesus is saying, put me first. If I tell you something take it to heart. And because, you know what, this is all so difficult. One of the reasons I say to us, the first thing that we have to keep in mind and have to do as Christians, anybody remember what I tell you? What's the most important thing? you yeah like we're afraid to say because what if we're wrong love if we don't get the love of god and the love of neighbor right we're, we're probably not going to get the rest of the gospel right that's the thing jesus says get in place first and if you think about it Love covers a host of sins. Love is the thing in which we can grow more perfect. Love is the thing that keeps us open and humble and learning more and more about God and how to better serve others in the world. I think that's the key, that Jesus knows, just like his disciples, we're going to misunderstand things, we're going to create a devil with a pitchfork, we're going to do all kinds of things over time. But if we're loving, everything will be all right. That is the heart of the gospel. You see, Peter may have been pretty imperfect in his understanding, but Jesus still finds him perfect enough to say, you're the rock on which I'm going to uh, found my church. And Jesus looks at us and says, you know what, you're pretty imperfect, but you're perfectly good enough to be my followers in and to do the work of the kingdom in this world here and now. You see, w- we're not going to be perfect people in this world. We're not. But we can be more loving We can be more humble, we can grow and learn over time, and we can follow Jesus more closely. That is the heart of the message of Lent. Don't beat yourself up to be perfect, but let yourself be open enough to listen to Jesus, to follow him, and to love.